The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. For deadline day headlines with two hours to go, Manchester United have signed left-back Alex Tellez from Porto for up to $20 million. The 27-year-old Brazilian comes in with a deal for Edison Cavani still not yet done at Old Trafford. The biggest transfer in terms of money today is centre-half Ben Godfrey coming into Everton from Norwich on a five-year deal for $32 million. He is 22 years old. Theo Walcott is turning back the clock, turning it back 15 years to be precise. He is on the verge of returning to his boyhood club Southampton from Everton. He is currently having a medical at St Mary's. And with the fact he's been out in the cold since Project Restart, it's no surprise that Matteo Genduzzi has left Arsenal. The 21-year-old has gone on loan to Hertha Berlin for the season. What else has been going on? Let's get you right up to date. So, the Edison Cavani deal, they're close, they say Manchester United, but not yet done. Meanwhile, they have sold Chris Smalling to Roma on a permanent deal for around $23 million, where he was on loan last year. Atletico Madrid midfielder Thomas Partey undergoing a medical ahead of a move to Arsenal. Gunners fans excited about that signing. Chelsea's Ruben Loftus-Cheek, we hear in the last 20 minutes, linked with a loan move to Fulham. And Rafinha is set to join Leeds United from Rennes. Those are some of the biggest, most notable signings and loan deals done today. Good afternoon. Welcome along. I'm Rebecca Lowe, Tim Howard and Roviel alongside me in the studio until 7 p.m. Eastern. The transfer window shuts at 6 Eastern, so we've got all the breaking news between now and 6, gentlemen. And then between 6 and 7, we can fully round up everything that's happened. Plus, we will be touching on all 20 clubs, where they are, what they've bought, who they've got rid of, how they're doing. That's basically the plan over the next three hours. So, Roviel, I'll start mm. with you first of all. When you look at what I've already mentioned, when you look yeah. at some of the other deals that have been done today, yeah. is there anything that strikes you? Yeah, and I'm still baffled, Rebecca, that with, what is it, less than two hours to go, teams are still scrambling. Multi-million dollar businesses who are making decisions for the, the coming season that could win you the title, that could get you in Europe, that could keep you in the league, are scrambling around like... What happens when, when the window opens? Do people sit around and say, let's wait till October the 5th, Let, let's give it to the last couple of hours and then we'll make a move? It, it just seems ridiculous to me. And I'm talking about big clubs at the top and, and clubs at the, at the bottom as well. And listen, these, these are the opportunities that you have to make a difference in your season. Because once that window shuts, you've got what you've got till January. And I just feel that there's certain clubs, and we'll talk about those specifically, who just haven't done their business in time. Well, on that very note, Manchester United said since signing Alex Tellez, one of the statements they came out with from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was, we've been tracking him, we've been wanting him a long time. 
Well, it begs the question, why did you leave it until a few hours before the end of the deadline to sign him if he's that important to you? Well, to Robbie's point, the big clubs don't want to get taken advantage of, particularly clubs in, in England, which have all the money in the world. And they don't want to get taken advantage of, so they don't want to do their, their business early in the transfer market, which is the smart thing to do. If they've been tracking Teller's good form, because I think they needed a replacement, clearly, for Luke Shaw. We saw that yesterday as well. Um, a good signing, but yes, frustrating, certainly for... United fans, as to why this got left so so incredibly late. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Tim, that Tellez comes straight into the starting lineup and Luke Shaw is very much the number two now? Most of the time, I, I would say not. But in this case, I do. I think he goes straight into the team. Um, he's clearly a ready-made replacement, fit, able to play straight away. So I would think going into next week and he plays. I just think as well that what, what changes and where I do understand that maybe late things happen, I think Liverpool's an interesting one. Mm. We're hearing Alisson could be out for five to six weeks if... That's a period. It could be eight games. You know, do they have to go and get an emergency goalkeeper? I know Sheffield United have had some problems at the back. Uh, centre-backs might be out for the season. They might need to go. And, so I do get sometimes things happen. You think, I might need a player or two. But when you've known that I need a centre-back for, for some time, know I need a centre-forward, as Manchester United have, and don't do your business in time... I don't think you've got any excuse. Let's talk quickly about some of the names. Ben Godfrey to Everton. Are you happy with that signing as a, as a former Everton player? I'm happy with the signing. I'm happy with the, with the fee. It's a uh, $32 million fee for a 22-year-old. That's great. That's great mm. business because the way that the fees have been inflated over the last 10 years, that's a steal. 22 yeah. years old, he will be an England international. I don't think he goes right into the team because Everton's mm. playing really well. But... I do think he's a side-by-side side -side partner for Michael Keane. So I Michael was a little Keane. bit concerned, Rapid, Rebecca. When I saw some, some parts of his game in, in Norwich, I thought he was a little bit naive. I thought mm. he's going to have to learn his defending, as, as Tim says. I think there's a bit of development still to come for, for Ben Godfrey. Yes, it's good to get a young English centre-back and hopefully have him for the next few years, but he's not ready to plug in and go. Mm -hmm. He's not that kind of centre-back yet. What about Arsenal fans? Will they be excited with Partey? Thomas Partey is a game-changer yeah. for Arsenal. He'll be as big a signing as, as Obama Young re-signing that contract. Mm. That's how good he is. In my, in my view, he's one of those beast-type midfield players, the Michael Essien type. The, you know, people are talking about, is he the next Patrick Vieira? And those are huge boots to, to fill in. But, Rebecca, he can win the ball like Kante. He can run and drive forward like a Vieira or a Pogba. And he can play as, as well. I mean, this is the kind of player that Arsenal have wanted, who you can build a football club around. That's huge business. At the and, and let me also add to that, he's been part of Diego Simeone's mm. uh, outfit for a while, which means he's going to be committed, <laughs> yeah. he's going to be hungry, mm. and he's never going to take a playoff. So... Yeah. Really, really good business. I want to touch on one more player, and we will get to West Ham a little bit later on in, in the show, but Jack Wiltshire has announced in the last half an hour that his contract has been terminated yeah. at West Ham United. He is now a free agent. Mm. He left Arsenal to go to West Ham. It didn't work out in his own words. He's only 28. Yeah. Where do you see Jack Wiltshire going now, Tim? Some, he's on a free transfer. Someone will snatch him up. Someone has to take a risk on him because I don't think it's a massive risk. He won't be on huge wages if you get him now. The injuries have have piled up. I remember playing against him when he was just a young he was a young boy at Arsenal and he was supremely talented in the England squad starting for England. It's sad to see the demise, but he's still got some years left in him. Someone will take a chance on him. It's such a shame, Rebecca, that we're talking about one of the hope great hopes of, of yeah. English football. And it's a little warning for all the Mason Mounts and the Jordan Sanchos mm -hmm. and, and some of these kids who've had a little bit of ill discipline, how quickly it can go. We, we were talking about Jack as a kid not long ago, mm -hmm. and how quickly it can end. You know, concentrate on your football and dedicate yourself to your craft.
We've had some interesting signings today. Thomas Partey, I think, being the mm. biggest one for Arsenal. But in terms of the entire transfer window, which has been the biggest name? No doubt about it. Gareth Bale is back at Tottenham. Let's remind ourselves a little bit about this 31-year-old Welsh midfielder returning to Tottenham on loan from Real Madrid. Uh, spent six seasons at Spurs. That's really where he made his name, having started at Southampton. Two-time PFA Player of the Year, both in 2011 and 2013. Went to Real Madrid and basically won everything. He went for $133 million. There was a huge amount of pressure on his shoulders. 105 goals and 251 appearances in all competitions. Seven major trophies in seven seasons, including four Champions League titles. He is returning to what he calls home. He's back at Spurs. Spurs fans can't wait. A little injury right now. Should be available after the international break. And a few days ago, he caught up with our colleague at Sky, Jess Shreves. happy to be back. I um, obviously love this club with all my heart. I've had great memories here and uh, I feel feel very happy, very confident. My energy level seems to have gone up and uh, I think putting that Spurs shirt on again and obviously it's it's disappointing that the fans aren't going to be there at the stadium um, for, for my first game back because I feel like the reception would have been incredible. But um, no, just looking forward to, to playing football. Why here? Why now? Why this club? Um... I think it was time for a change. I wanted a change well, for a little while, but obviously it hadn't been able to materialise. But um, yeah, this club means so much to me. It's given me my opportunity. There's been some amazing memories here in the past and um, I felt like it was a good time to come back. I feel like the club's still going in a great direction and I want to be a part of it again. Sigurdsson, it's a great ball. It's the right man in the right place. Gareth Bale delivers again for Tottenham. The fans idolise you, and you've seen from your return, they still do. But in some ways, has that added a layer of pressure on you? I, I don't think it's any more pressure. I can't really get much more pressure on my shoulders. Every game I play, everybody has the eagle eye on me. So, um, yeah, no matter where I play, there's going to be pressure. So that's, that's nothing new. But um, I just want to come here. I want to enjoy my football. In Madrid, it was yeah, a bit flat for a while. Um, which I think everyone can see from the outside. So you, you can tell when players are not happy, they're not. When you're not happy, it's difficult to play at your, at your highest level. You said you have evolved as a player. What do you mean by that? I'm not the 20-year-old that sprints 90 yards down the touchline every two seconds. Um, I think when you get older, you, you realise that you have to manage yourself a little bit more. Um, you pick the right moments to go rather than every single time when you have a bundle of energy when you're young. So... Um, and you learn the game more, I think. You don't have to keep running when there's no one in the box. You come out, keep possession. Just different types of things about your game that maybe in the past, when you're younger, you just want to impress. You want to go 100% all the time. And yeah, when you get older, you have that experience to, to manage yourself and manage the game and, and manage the situations that you're in. Bell goes for goal! Oh, what a goal! Who else but from the man of the moment... Obviously, you can play in a variety of positions. You've proven that before in your career. But what do you feel is your strongest position? Um, anywhere across the front, to be honest. I'm comfortable on the right, where I've been playing probably most of my career now. Um, I suppose behind the striker, where I've played a lot. I've played on the left a lot. Um, 
the most of my career now I've been playing as, as a right winger, cutting in or going down the line. So, um, yeah, anywhere across the front three, normally I'm, I'm very comfortable. Do you think the Premier League has changed since you last played in it? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't watch too much football at home, but, um, yeah, I always, always kept an eye on Tottenham's results whenever I left and used to watch as many of their games as I could. So um, the league now is it's more demanding than ever. I think, yeah, from top to bottom now, it's, it's very competitive and I think that's why... The Premier League is considered the best league in the world because every team could be every team. Really interesting there to hear from Gareth Bale. We absolutely can't wait to see him. I think any neutral Spurs fans, of course, are looking forward to seeing Gareth Bale when he is fit and can play for Tottenham. He says there, Tim, he's not the flying winger he was. Mm -hmm. From what you heard him talk about, how do you expect him to implement what he's learned in Spain into the Premier mm -hmm. League? Well, you heard him say that it felt flat in Madrid. That was obvious. We all knew that. Um, he feels more energized now that he's back here. I I'm, I'm a believer that you, it's, it's tough to go back home sometimes. Mm. Not in this case. I genuinely feel without disrespect, Real Madrid is the biggest club in the world. One of. He's going back to Tottenham, and I think now he wants to show mm. I'm, I'm the best. Like, I, this mm. Premier League thing... I'll run all over you. And I think that's what, that, I think that's what you're going to see. And as you said, for a neutral, it's exciting. And, again, I talked yesterday about Jose Mourinho's teams. He likes to park the bus with the four to eight mm -hmm. players, mm -hmm. but then the rest are sensational. It can go forward and fly forward and add, add Gareth Bale to that mix. Boy. I mean, we, we saw them yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Against pretty exciting. Yeah. United. That Sonny one side, Bale the other, Kane. Deli Alley, if you get him on side, or the Salsa in the hole. Sure. All of a sudden, there's four players there who can open me up. My sort of first worry with, with Gareth Bale coming back was, is the fire still in the belly? Mm. He's won so much now and that. Seemed determined, seemed mm -hmm. committed, seemed like he's got one point to prove that he's still very much. And a couple of things when you talk about Jose Mourinho, the structures in that team now to allow the likes of Bale and people to go and do their stuff. And this Tottenham team is a way better team than the Tottenham team that he left. He mm. can come here and take them to another level. A bit like Hamas Rodriguez we've seen start to do at Everton. I think Gareth Bale can have a similar effect on Spurs. Tim, just going back to his time at Madrid, do you think he should be held in higher regard? Do you think that they were... Absolutely. Now, listen, his, his goal-scoring record is incredible yeah. at Real Madrid. But players play a part in that as well. Look, I know he was booed and whistled at and all the rest of it. But he didn't help himself, right? He'd been there long enough. He didn't learn the language. He was always out playing golf. Players have responsibility. I'm not putting that all on his shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. He got a lot of stick from the fans. He decided to deal with it in a certain way, but it's always going to end that way. Mm -hmm. Robbie, to your point, he's in a better team now. I mean, think of it. He, he was a star man. That's why yeah. he got to move to Real Madrid. He was a star man. Yeah. He was probably the only yeah. star man. Yeah. They've got, they've got mm -hmm. three or four yeah. in this Tottenham team. So for him, it's incredibly exciting. And I think he'll, and it's a bit like Hymas to me mm -hmm. at, at Everton. Is he coming back? Just for a payday, yeah, for a bit yeah, of a holiday, yeah, yeah. or is he going to dig in and roll his sleeves yeah. up? This, this feels really good. If it works out mm. and he digs in, rolls his sleeves yeah. up, and we see the Gareth Bale that we all want oh. to see, mm. takes the Spurs from where to where? Well, and I go back. I want to go back to a point in the conversation where Jose Mourinho wanted to sign him when he was Real Madrid manager and wasn't able to get him. He came after that. Well, I think it takes him back is to winners. You ask what what he's done in Real Madrid. Should he get respect? He won all the biggest trophies at Real Madrid. He takes his football club to another level, and it might start with League Cups in Europa Leagues, but eventually they'll start talking about the big, the big stuff. And no doubt when he was watching the game yesterday against Manchester United, he was excited <laughs> as well.
Back with you on our transfer deadline day special. Some news to bring you from around the Premier League then. So Manchester United not yet done, but are closing in apparently on Edison Cavani. Chris Smalling's deal to Roma. He's going back there. This time it's on a permanent deal for around $23 million. Atletico Madrid midfielder Thomas Partey undergoing a medical ahead of a very exciting move to Arsenal. Gunners fans will be delighted. In the last about 90 minutes, Chelsea's Ruben Loftus-Cheek linked with a loan move to Fulham. No confirmation of, though of that yet. And Rafinha set to join Leeds United from Wren and of course Alex Tellers has signed for Manchester United and Ben Godfrey has signed for Everton. Now I'm delighted to bring in our colleague across the pond at Sky Sports. He is chief reporter at Sky Sports News, uh, my very good friend Brian Swanson. Brian, it's lovely to see you. Anyone out there who knows anything about football knows they have to follow you on a day like today. You're the man that knows what's going on. So other than those big, big stories, Brian, what else should we be keeping our eye on for the next hour or so? Well, Rebecca, the thing that we love about these late deadlines is that anything can happen in the final few days and the final few hours of this window. There is that all-important deal sheet, remember, which is active right now. That means that clubs have an extra two hours to complete those deals. The biggest deal that we are across at the moment right now involves Arsenal and Thomas Partey at Atletico Madrid. The latest information that we've got tonight is that Arsenal have triggered that release clause of around $58 million dollars. Uh, for the midfielder. They are leaving it late uh, with just under a couple of hours to get that one over the line. Manchester United, you mentioned there, we saw their confirmation in terms of Alex Telles. In terms of Edison Cavani, remember, he is a free agent, so there's not a mass urgency to get that done. However, you look at the European squad, you look at the deadline for UEFA by tomorrow night, so the expectation is that that one uh, should be signed, sealed and delivered sooner rather than later. But there is still plenty going on in what has been an extraordinary year, and this, of course, the first deadline day in October. Now, Brian, there is a bit of a nuance as well to this, because talk to us and explain to us about how the transfer window for European clubs and British clubs finishes tonight, but there's a, a situation with football league clubs lower down the pyramid and also a situation with ensuring that if you're playing in European football, you have to get certain players signed by today or tomorrow, don't you, to get them in your Champions League or Europa League squads. Can you just go through that for our viewers? Yeah, Rebecca, this is not straightforward, so I'll do my best. Basically, tonight is the deadline for international deals. So that is all deals involving Premier League clubs and those clubs in Europe's top leagues. The reason they have all aligned is because UEFA wanted them to do so by tomorrow night, which is the deadline for the Champions League and Europa League squads. But because FIFA allow a 12-week window... What English football and the Premier League wanted to do was support the EFL, so those clubs in the Championship, League One and League Two. So what they have agreed is to have a domestic-only window from tonight that runs through until October the 16th. So that means that any deals can be done between the Premier League and the EFL clubs going both ways. What it doesn't mean, though, is that deals cannot extend beyond tonight between Premier League club and Premier League club. So the idea was it was to leave the window as long as possible open to help those clubs in the lower leagues who we know are facing financial difficulty caused by coronavirus. But what it does mean is that for those big deals involving those big Premier League clubs, they've only got less than two hours to get them done. And Brian, I know you have a big, big social media following. You interact a lot with the football fans who come to you first to find out what's going on. When you look at the interactions you've had and the messages you've had over the last day or so, who on those platforms out of all the different fans across the Premier League are the most happy and who right now the most frustrated, would you say, Brian? 
Well, it was fascinating to hear you discussing a short time ago. I think in terms of the fan base that is the happiest, you look at Chelsea... What a summer of spending they have had. Of course, no longer under that transfer embargo. You look at Werner, you look at Ziyech, you look at Chilwell, Saar, Silva, Havertz, Mendy. Look at Tottenham and look at those deals involving regular and on bail. Big deals there from Real Madrid. And, of course, there was Joe Hart, the unexpected signing for them of this transfer window. Liverpool, their supporters, very happy with Thiago Alcantara. Aston Villa as well. You look at Ross Barkley, you look at Ollie Watkins, who, of course, had that hat-trick against Liverpool. But by and large, the overall moods from Manchester United fans is one of immense frustration. That's what I keep seeing on social media. That's what they keep saying to us. Yes, they signed Donny van der Beek. Great signing from Ajax. They did sign Odion Agalu. They extended his loan deal with the club. They have now signed Alex Telles. They are expected to sign Edison Cavani. But what happened to Jadon Sancho? What happened to that marquee signing? They were going to be going young. In Cavani, they've not got that. So there is a sense of frustration, of course, absolutely compounded by what happened yesterday in that heavy, heavy defeat at the hands of their former manager, Jose Mourinho, at Tottenham. Brian, we're still all getting over what happened yesterday in the football world. I'm sure you are too. The weirdest of weird days. Brian Swanson, chief reporter at Sky Sports News. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It certainly was. And after the game, as so often happens these days, some players took to social media. We just could find three, though, just the three Liverpool players. James Milner, nowhere near the level needed yesterday. We need to stand up, take everything on the chin, stick together and bounce back, and we will. Jorginho Wijnaldum, very disappointing result. We'll come back stronger. And Adrian, in goal yesterday because of Alisson's injury. A day to forget, he says, but we will be back stronger. And, Tim, that's what I want to talk to you about, the goalkeeping situation <laughs> um, with Liverpool. As Robbie mentioned, Alisson's going to be out for six weeks. What are they? Six weeks now in this condensed season could be as many as seven games, maybe even more. And Adrian is going to play them. How concerning is that? I thought you were going to ask me about the silly tweets, but <laughs> we'll get this out. Um, yeah, it's it's a concern clearly because uh, there's a level to this stuff, and Allison is world class, probably one, two, or three, and best in the world. Mm. And Adrian isn't. Clearly, he has his his deficiencies. My worry, I don't think they'll go replace him. It's too late. They've already invested in him as their number two. My worry, my worry is that if, if these mistakes, which he's been prone to, mm. continue to creep in, mm. they, it doesn't allow Liverpool to continue to create this massive gap, which mm. they did last year. They just got stronger and stronger and stronger, knew they could count on Allison, even when there was a couple breaks that, breakdowns. Look, Liverpool won't be as bad as they were yesterday, but it's still a concern in goal. Before I come to you, Robbie, yeah. what were you going to say about the City tweets? Well, I just think that... You have 90 minutes to give everything you possibly could for your club. And most of those players do that. Mm. So I just think it's a little silly to come out after the fact and, and, and apologize. You don't need to apologize if you put the effort in. Sometimes you just you lose. But I see that too often nowadays where they want to apologize and appease the fans. Mm. Apologize by playing properly. Agree. Yeah, back in the day, we didn't have social media, Becca. You, <laughs> you played. wouldn't have apologised anyway. Apologized. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> what about the goalkeeping situation? What's your problem. perspective? Massive problem. How damaging? Um, the players in front of Adrian didn't play particularly well. Like, let's put that there first. But the first goal in the game always changes the, the flow of the match. The first goal is a giveaway by the goalkeeper. Last season, they lost their first game in Liverpool in February against Watford. They've already lost one already. If, if we've got six games and he makes two or three mistakes mm. that could cost him, cost him in the FA Cup last season, he let goals in against Chelsea, cost him against Athletic 
Atletico Madrid in the Champions League last season. If he costs them two or three games, the way that Premier League goes, mm -hmm. that could cost you the title. OK, so should they have had a better goalkeeper in already as a number two? Should they have already done that? Or should they have today gone to get one? They shouldn't have gone today to get one. Look, we've talked with Jurgen Klopp believes in his squad. I believe that he... What's wrong with going and get one today, Tim? If, if Adrian isn't the guy, if, I, if I've lost confidence, if all the people are talking about, all the radio stations in mm. England are talking about, ooh, mm. this Adrian, how, why can't you go and get a Gazaniga or a third choice somewhere? Mm. What? I think that Klopp believes in his managerial skills. I believe that he has the ability to sit him down and just say, this is what's expected. Take this out of your game and move... It's a, it's a bit like we're saying Bobby mm. Firmino needs, to needs someone behind him and Origi's not it. He's still going to go with Origi. We can talk about that later. But I think he believes in his squad. And, mm. and, and if you go out today and get one, it looks a bit panicky. And I don't think that's the message he wants to send. I think it's a gamble. Yeah. I really yeah. do think it's a gamble with Adrian. Just from a personal point of view, how will Adrian be feeling today? As the number two, knows he's the number two, mm. he's made some mistakes, and now he knows he's got six weeks. Will he be seeing that? I know it depends on the human being, but sure. will he be seeing that as an opportunity? Or as a goalkeeper, is the pressure so much that it, it can... It can actually get worse. Yeah. Well, here's what... If it were me, I wouldn't have come out of the house. And I, it, it's <laughs> happened. I've made my fair share of mistakes. What I, what I don't like, and, and Rob, you and I spoke off camera, what I don't like is when these goalkeepers make mistakes and then they still want to show how good they are and at mm. least more mistakes. I just want them to go, you know what? I've made a mistake. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to button this up. I'm going to mm. put the ball into Rosette. I'm going to be clean with my, with my handling. And I'm going to go 10 games without making the next mistake. Mm. They just seem to... Let me show you how good I am with my feet and then give it away again. It's a problem. It wasn't the only problem yesterday, though, no, the goalkeeping no. situation. What other problems, based purely on what we've mm. seen, actually not just what we've seen yeah. yesterday, we've seen a couple of errors so far this season. Virgil van Dijk even admitted to it yeah, a couple of weeks not ago. not quite at it. No, what Alexander are the concerns? Arnold. It was a little attitude thing, and I think that's something that would, would worry Jurgen Klopp more than anything. Rebecca, Liverpool play with this high, high line. That's because they want to put a press on, and they want the team compact. So when that press goes on, everybody's in behind, and they win the ball back. If the press isn't on, and it was a day yesterday they didn't press, then that back line has to drop. Because if he doesn't drop and Aston Villa get possession, as we saw with the Jack Grealish goal and a number of goals, you just play a ball in behind and you get runners in behind. So you either, if on good days, keep the press on and stay high. On days that are not so good, maybe you drop off. And, and the other thing I just want to punch you quickly is Thiago, who's come in, who, who, was, who was a signing. If Thiago's playing on that pitch yesterday, I'm not saying it's a different result, He's a continuity player. He gives you the ball, you give it me back. I'll give it you, you give it back. He gets people enjoying the football and he builds up a rhythm and a momentum that they didn't have yesterday. That's what he brings to it. That's a little bit of difference. On days when things aren't going well, he'll make you keep the ball. He'll make you pass and get your rhythms going. And that's what Liverpool have in Thiago. Let me say this to you, though. They're programmed to do two things. Keep a high line mm. and press. Yeah. Well, the press is about effort. And the press isn't on. They're still programmed to keep a high line. Right, and so it's hard for them to drop. And, but if I'm not going to press, I agree with you. Then I agree I've got to drop off yeah. and say I ain't going to allow this space in behind it. Yeah. And that's where, where it didn't happen yesterday. Fascinating stuff, gentlemen. Thank you. Just before we go to break, I can tell you that Ruben Loftus Cheek, Chelsea's Ruben Loftus Cheek, is having a medical right now at Fulham. So that looks like that's going ahead on a loan deal. Loftus Cheek, you may remember, was at Palace a couple of seasons ago on loan. He can't get in that starting lineup under Frank Lampard. He is going on loan to Fulham, having a medical right now at Craven Cottage. 
Manchester United fans, we have some news. You have reached an agreement with Atalanta for the future transfer of 18-year-old winger Ahmad Diallo. He will join United in January, subject to a medical, personal terms and a work permit. And get this, the fee for this 18-year-old winger who is, quote, on the website of Manchester United, one of the most exciting young prospects in Italian football, it's up to $48 million. The club say they have been tracking him since he was 14 years of age and he should arrive in United if all goes well in January. We'll talk United shortly, but before that, their neighbours, Manchester City. That's our next focus today. Ruben Diaz, Nathan Arke, Farron Torres and Scott Carson is a, a blast from the past. Those are the notable transfers on the left of your screen. On the right, those players have either retired or gone out on a free or loaned or been sold from Manchester City. And Robbie, I'll start mm -hmm. with you because Ruben Diaz yeah. he made his debut at the weekend um, against Leeds for yeah. Manchester City. You've taken a closer look at him today and yesterday, haven't you? And what did yeah. you discover? Well, it's difficult against in the Leeds game to get a true impression. He, he, he's right-sided centre-back, good size, good on the ball as you have to be with Peps. One of the things I noticed about him in, in looking at some videotape is he loves a tackle, a slide tackle, and every time he goes in, just has to be careful sometimes in the Premier League that forwards move the ball quickly and wait for that contact. But... The biggest thing I can say is people are talking about he could be the next Vincent Company now. Mm -hmm. That's like, slow down a little moment. Let, let's get things right. But at this football club, and, and we talked about it on the show, and we, Musto and I have talked about it on the podcast, it doesn't feel like they're missing somebody. It feels like they're missing something. Mm -hmm. As though there's something not quite right now. There's a lot of talk about Diaz as that central figure who's going to build that back line and get them stronger. But we'll have to see over the next few weeks if he, if he can pull that back four together in the Vincent Company style and the club can move forward. What might that something be that they're missing, Tim? Leadership. And we talk about, we talk about company and his mm. departure and never mm. get really replacing him. Look, if you're a centre-back under Pep, you're going to be left exposed and you're going to have to be nothing short of brilliant, which company was. Um, and when you talk about his Barcelona teams and the Bayern Munich teams, they, they were kind of already set in regards to the, how the backs and uh, center backs were. When I look at this team, I like Ruben Diaz. As you said, he's, ag he's aggressive. He needs to be a little careful, but he's aggressive. He's yeah. strong. You could see his body language, willing to go out into the channels and, and defend one-on-one -on -one and have someone cover for him. My worry in the back is, is Mendy. You talked about it yesterday. There's mm -hmm. always a, a rick in him. There's, there's a little bit of a wobble. Ake can play there. I thought they maybe brought him in to play centre-back. It doesn't yeah. seem so mm. at the moment with the pairing yesterday. If you put him to left-back, which he's played in the past, I think that shores things up a little bit more. kind of feels like the amount of money Pep spent on defenders, and it's a huge amount. Mm. In well, let's have a little numbers. look, actually. We've got the list yeah. of the amount of money. I was going to say, that, like, how are we still struggling, really, for, for <laughs> back four? It's, kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, that, that Mendy, is, as we say, I mean, Walker... He'd probably say he's good enough right back, he has his moments. But then, you know, the centre-back pairing, we're hoping Laporte and Diaz is that. Nathan Ake's come in, was on the bench at the weekend, will he go at left-back? More than half a billion dollars, yeah. roughly, spent and, on defenders. And not, and not done yet, is it? I mean, it's like he, well, is he it knows even the anywhere, is, it anywhere, is it any further forward than when he even arrived? Well, we'll find out with Diaz. That, no. That's why this one, this one is a huge call. This yeah. Diaz one, eight three yeah. million dollars is a big. But do big you have call. any? But do you have any faith? I mean, we just said he spent, he spent half, yeah. half a billion dollars. Do you have any faith that now Diaz is going to be the savior? I hope so, but wouldn't hold my breath. Do you think the defensive situation at City is the thing that will hold them back from winning the title? Yes, yes, it is because when you look at Liverpool, they've been rock solid over the course of two years. They're just incredibly disciplined defensively, and City isn't. I think the thing that's gone under the radar, Becker, Sergio Aguero, mm. not been around. He's missed, by the way, 
just who he is, how he scores, how he plays, how he runs that line, the way he takes defenders back. They need to get him fit, and as he's getting old, there's all this talk about him leaving. He's still a very important part of that team. Yeah. OK, just before we go to break, uh, in this segment, Theo Walcott has passed his medical at Southampton. He has left Everton, and he is rejoining the club he left nearly 15 years ago as a teenager when he went to Arsenal. And, of course, you may remember, he went to the World Cup in 2006 as well. Tim remembers that. So, Theo Walcott going back to Southampton. You know, Alexis Sanchez made a comment. He said when he signed from United at his first training session, he asked his agent to, to end up his contract. That's why I'm going to ask to Sky. I really would like to end up my contract with Sky because it's my second game. I'm a positive person. And I never want to talk about United because when you tell the truth, it can hurt. And I'm passionate and I love my club. But, I, you know, I know you have to have some filter when you talk on TV. But he's a, he's, he's a shamble. I know you're emotional about it. We, we've seen it watching it here with you right now. But what did you expect from United this season? Nothing. Nothing. I'll be honest, I feel, I feel, uh, I feel sad also for the manager. But after we're going to start to talk about the manager and he's going to be the next one. But what about the board? It's how many years since Ferguson left. How many managers we've been sacked? So that's the solution. All you, every year we're gonna, now we're going to talk about Ole is not the man. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But we don't know about the transfer. We don't know if he's just a puppet. We, we don't know. Because he wants like players like Sancho and they don't go for the right price. It's like I'm going to buy a car. I know the price. And I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm bidding like less. But what's going on with my club? What's going on today? I'm, I'm really emotional right now. Seriously, Dev. And it's difficult to broke a mind like me. I'm a positive person. But I, I, don't, well, let's, let's need, like, I, I don't promote the violence. But many people need, like, some good slap right now in this club. <laughs> I just feel that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did achieve the maximum with these players last season by finishing third. There's no way he was going to get to Liverpool, the level of Liverpool and City. So I do, I do think he's achieved the maximum with them. I thought Jose was playing a game a few years ago when he said it was an unbelievable achievement to finish second with that squad. But I think he's probably on reflection right. I think it was good last season that Manchester United finished third. But they needed, they were on the shoulder of Liverpool and City, a long way off the shoulder, but they were on the shoulder and they needed to make sure they got closer. But City have spent £150 million, Liverpool have gone and got Jota and Thiago and they've strengthened and they've pulled away psychologically before the season even starts. And it's the psychological damage of Manchester United not bringing the players in that I think is also hampering the, the current players' thoughts because as, we as the media, obviously, we focus on it. We as former players focus on it. Why wouldn't we? The club's job is to build a title-winning team here. Manchester United have to win the title and we can't drop those standards. Gary Neville and Patrice Evra are both strong and emotional as well after yesterday's result. Well, they have brought in players. Today, Alex Tellez has signed. And what about this kid, 18-year-old Ahmad Diallo, who's come from Atalanta, who should be arriving in January, as I say, subject to a few other things like work permit and medical. Do you know much about him? $48 million. Not much at all. And I think it will infuriate Man United fans because they want to win now. This club is historically the biggest club in all of England. And... They're miles off it, and they're buying a kid to come in January. The priority should be now. And, and by the way, he's a kid. He's 18 years old. He's not going to jump into the squad and improve it. And you two know most footballers <laughs> across Europe, yeah. and well, neither of you have seen too much of him because he hasn't played very much. No, but in fairness, you know, he, he's got a good reputation, one of the ex most exciting talents in, in, in Italy. I mean, maybe, 
lots of people didn't know uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe. So they're oh. maybe hoping oh. that it is one of them. And I, I don't mind investing in the youth sure. and giving it time and bringing it in. Yep. But Tim makes a great point, the here and now. Last season, Manchester United finished 33 points. Third place, but 33 points behind Liverpool. And we've been saying, well, there's steps for United to get there. And, and, and with those steps, we're saying it's going to take maybe four windows. So, you know, a summer window, January window, summer window, January window, should be then ready to challenge. We've wasted one. One's gone. Mm. We've just wasted one. We, we're at the end of one, and I don't particularly think the team are, are much better. Tell us... We'll come in at left-back, I think we'll play. Cavani may be mm. in the mix up front, we don't know. But that's where we are. Well, if Ahmad Diallo does turn into the next Cristiano Ronaldo, we're going to replay that tape, yes, you said it first. Absolutely. Remember, I said it first. We I, definitely will. I also will. said Breck Shea was the, the new <laughs> Gareth Bale. You did say Breck, Breck Shea was the poor man's Gareth Bale, I think is what poor you said. Okay, um, I'm not sure if that's a cop. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so the recruitment strategy. When mm. You know the club, Tim, you were there. So the board level and, and the way now that under Edward Wood they are recruiting players doesn't actually matter who the manager is. It's been the same since Alex Ferguson left. Mm. Inherently, other than the fact that you just said they're buying players for the future, what else are they doing wrong in terms of their recruitment strategy, this club? Well, it's not a good lead-in to say that, talk about recruitment strategy and me in the same breath because I, <laughs> I didn't last but 24 months there. The problem is late 90s, all through the 2000s, and quite a little bit beyond. If a player across Europe knew Manchester United was interested, they'd drive themselves there and the deal got done. Manchester United is now, people are going to Chelsea, people are going to Liverpool, they're going to every other club but Manchester United. So Manchester United now are getting their fourth and fifth targets in the transfer window. Not your, not your top ones where you say, we're going to go get him, and he's like, I'd be delighted to play. Like Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho. Now they're linked with Cavani. Cavani's never been a first choice for Man United. Yeah. And it comes down to recruitment. Woodward has a lot to answer for. But when, when you, even if it is not your first choice... Mm. Your target, Rebecca, should be somebody who you buy, who goes into your first 11 and makes you better. Mm. I would assume that's where how United are going to be better. Danny Von, Von der Beek is a lovely footballer, but in the current setup of the team, I don't know where he's going to play because Pogba starts in the field. You need somebody who's going to do the defensive, and Bruno Fernandes plays above. So we spent good money on him, not sure where he fits. You've bought Cavani. Now, we have the analogy, and, and, and I was thinking about this today, that... What Manchester United are doing are kind of filling the squad out. And, and I don't know if you know what I'm going to... It's like we, we call the fruit medley and we say there's melon. And you have melon, which fills it out. But it's not, it's not strawberries. It's, it's not uh, raspberries. It's certainly not pineapple. It's not pineapple. And Manchester United need to buy pineapple. Absolutely. And, and stop buying people that, that melon. are melon. part of the squad. <laughs> just part of the squad. OK, so now we've said that Cavani is melon. And he's not um, melon because he's got a great... I know. Let, let's remind ourselves, actually, Correct. of, of um, Edison Cavani's pedigree, great shall we? His yeah. melon pedigree. No. Um, he said to hasn't joined yet as a free agent, so he doesn't have to join by tonight. Um, he can join in the coming days. He last played for Paris Saint-Germain, spent seven seasons in Paris, won 15 major trophies, two-time Golden Boot winner in Ligue 1, a Uruguayan international, played in three World Cups. Now, they are trying to replace, are they not, Romelu Lukaku, who left 15 or 16 months ago. Since Lukaku left, he scored 38 goals. Yeah. In that time, Cavani scored seven goals. Yeah. Well, in that uh, lies the problem. But, but again, we talk about recruitment. They let Big Rom go. Mm. He scored 14 goals in 22 games. Mm. And they said it was a bad season. Yeah. I, I mean, that's crazy to me. That, that I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure what Woodward is looking at because this isn't a replacement. I mean, to, to call him Mellon, and I'm just let's get that right, is not what I mean because this guy is, has been a top-quality operator. Mm. But five years ago, Rebecca, yeah. 
top signing. Yeah. 33 years of age, not too sure. Edison Cavani is a done deal just during the commercial break. One year for Manchester United with an option for a second for this 33-year-old free agent. Cavani is a Manchester United player. Elsewhere on deadline day, Manchester United have also signed the left-back Alex Tellez from Porto for up to $20 million. A 27-year-old Brazilian comes in possibly to replace Luke Shaw. We shall see. So they have done some business today, have Manchester United. Ben Godfrey, another big transfer today. $32 million on a five-year deal from Norwich City to Everton. He is 22 years old. So his future is now at Goodison Park. Theo Walcott has passed a medical at his old club, Southampton, the club he left almost 15 years ago. He returns as a 31-year-old from Everton to Southampton on loan now that he's passed his medical. And, well, we have not seen him, have we, all season long with Teo Ganduzi. He's been left out in the cold since that spat with Neil Mope and Brighton during Project Restart. Matteo Ganduzi has left Arsenal. The 21-year-old has gone on loan to Hertha Berlin. So what else has been going on? What else is possibly rumoured to be happening? Manchester United have also spent $48 million. This has come to us in the last hour on an 18-year-old teenager, Ahmad Diallo, from Atalanta in Italy, who will arrive in January, as you saw there at the top of the segment. Cavani is now a Manchester United player. Thomas Partey, Arsenal fans really excited about this player coming in to Arsenal. He's undergoing a medical. They have triggered the release calls, have Arsenal with Atletico Madrid. Chelsea's Ruben Loftus-Cheek is having a medical ahead of a loan move to Fulham. And Tottenham's Ryan Sessegnon that just cannot get in to Jose Mourinho's Spurs starting lineup. sometimes doesn't even make the squad, has joined Hoffenheim on loan. That is a quick roundup of what everything is happening with just under an hour to go. So we continue going around all 20 Premier League clubs and we land right now with Chelsea. Now they have been busy. Kai Havertz, Ben Chilwell, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, Edouard Mendy and Thiago Silva on the left of your screen have all come over throughout the transfer window, you have to say. And Robbie Earl... Mm. Chelsea and Frank Lampard, they have a whole different problem going on. They have an embarrassment of riches, which somehow they have to fit together, or Frank Lampard has to fit together, to make a team that not only qualifies for the top four, but maybe does better than last season, because you've got to progress if you're Chelsea every year. Absolutely, but let's get the first things right. Well done, Chelsea, because they've had a go. Where, where we're saying Manchester United, well, how are they going to close that 33-point gap? Chelsea have spent nearly $300 million. And when you look at the, the players that they've signed... All but one or two of them are going to be starters. All but one or two of them are going to be in the side. Now, that does give Frank a different problem, a, a, an embarrassment of riches. He's got to work out his system. He's got to work out who plays where. And I still have a little nagging question about the back line. Is that back door going to be safe enough? Is Zuma and Thiago Silva going to be a good enough centre-back pairing to propel you closer to, to Liverpool and Manchester City at the top of the title? I'm a little concerned that that hasn't been addressed yet, despite spending the amount of money they've done. But certainly, Kepper, he wasn't happy with. Mm. Mendy comes in, solves the problem. OK, are you concerned about that line too? A little bit. I, not as concerned with Thiago. I do like Thiago. I think it's been, it's been said through, in certain channels that he's not a leader. I don't think he needs to be a leader here. He just needs to use his experience. I think Chilwell's a brilliant signing. He's fantastic. Mm. Uh, I worry a little bit about Zuma. Yeah, but can they get by if... if if the front four, five, or six start clicking, they have a really good goalkeeper now. Yeah, I think they can ask for Laqueta. Okay, he's a bit older now, but you need that. You need that guile and that sage as, as a captain. So 
I do like the back line. I don't love it. 54 goals conceded last, mm. last season is too much for them, mate. Too many. However many you score going that mm-hmm. way, you've got to keep it better at the back. And Frank's got to get some more attention to detail on his defending. And, and I've said it a number of times, if he has to go and get somebody in his backroom staff who just works on the back four when everybody else is doing the finishing, back four, back four, back four. Get that, those drills in. Make sure we're, we're tight at the back. I mean, Antonio Rudiger was rumoured to be leaving, yeah. but he's staying just, now. And Christensen's still there. So you're mm. definitely sure he, you think he's going for Zuma alongside the It looks like, to me, Zuma's the plus one. Scored a couple of goals. He, he started not bad, mm. but you just wonder over a period of time. Rudiger's one of those, Rebecca, that... I just think if he stays around, his attitude's good and things turn, he might find himself back in the first-team picture. I think there's a decent defender there. Yes, he's made mistakes and, and, and at times, but with a, with a different focus, with a different setup, I still think he could, he could have some work. When you look on that graphic that we just showed, mm. Tim, of all the players he's brought in, which player so far, out of the likes of Havertz and, and, and Verma and Mendy, has, has impressed you the most? None of them have really hit the ground running. I don't think they, I don't think Havertz has found or they've found the perfect mm. pocket for him. I don't think he's a wide player. I think he's underneath. Mm. He's not a luxury player because he, he will gallop and get around the pitch. Werner will come good. Yeah. He's a, he's a yeah. goal scorer. Yeah. He's a hard worker. Mm. He just needs to find his feet a little bit, but I'm telling you, by the, by the middle of the season, we'll be talking about him as a brilliant signing. Does, doesn't that also, though, Jeff Bax, just, just pose a little problem that we're almost going like, you know, Frank's going to gonna close the gap in that. Sometimes players come in this league and it takes mm. them six months, it takes them 12 months to, to settle in, to get used to it, to, to play on a regular basis and affect it. And, and that's something he's also going to have to deal with. And he may rec- you know, need the likes of Mason Mount and some of those players who might not start every game. If they are in and around the top four all season, mm. but maybe end up finishing fourth like last year, that's fine? You think from Roman Abramovich's point of view? Normally, the money spent. It's, a good, it's a good question. Normally, I would say no, because they haven't. They've just changed managers every season, basically. I hope that they, they have a young manager in Frank who they love, who's a club icon. They've just invested all this money and brought a ton of players. And I hope they get that this isn't going to happen overnight. And I really, Jen, you said two transfer windows yeah, over the course yeah. of 24 months. I really hope they give them time. It's about getting closer to the top two. And this is the kind of club, if they're going well by Christmas, Rebecca, another big name in the yeah. January window. Right, so how have Tottenham done this transfer window? Sergio Reguillon, Pierre-Emile Hoiber, Matt Doherty, Joe Hart, Gareth Bale, Carlos Vinicius there on the left-hand side of the notable transfers they've brought in on the right of the players that have, that have gone out. Well, Tim Howard, have they had the best transfer window of all 20 Premier League clubs? I think far and away. They've brought in a ton of players, very similar to, to Chelsea. The difference for me would be that these players currently are doing the business straight away. We talked about the mm. Chelsea players having mm. to kind of find their feet. I mean, Regulon's come in, done really, really well. Mm. Um, Darty, Hoiberg, these are players that have contributed in a big way over the course of the first three weeks. So, yes, I would say that... And then they have more to come, by the way. So that they've definitely had the best transfer. Recruitment's been good from yeah. both Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho. I mean, Mourinho's re- recruitment's normally pretty good. Yeah, Mourinho's got an eye over it, and he's starting to feel his team, Rebecca. And, and this, this young kid, Carlos Vinicius, who, who's come in, could be a really interesting player, because I think they paid him like $3.5 million for, for the loan fee, an option to buy after a year for around $53 million. So you get 12 months to look at him. And again, look at a bit of tape, Six foot three, left-sided, Brazilian-born, Good centre forward who plays around the middle of the park is almost the light for light replacement for Harry Kane. And we know with Kane, he gets a couple of injuries, he might need a bit of rest. He could be the kind of kid who goes in and does really well for, for them. So, Jose again is just on to get. I just feel as though this club's starting to be about him. And Deli Alley, 
is, is the little sort of one that he's... He pushed him out and then just very slowly starting to wind him back in, played in the Europa League, got a couple of minutes against Manchester United. If he can get Deli Alley on side, God, this front four could yeah. be exciting. I mean, we sat here not two weeks ago, mm. Tim, and I think everybody here and lots of people mm. in the game thought that Deli Alley had played his last game for Tottenham mm. because all the signs pointed to that. And so often under Jose Mourinho, he, he does do this sort of thing, mm. but the door seems to be just creaking back open. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the ultimate puppet master, and then people talk about his tactics as a manager. Forget about all that. He knows how to get players on side. And we thought he was out in the cold, and then he, and then Deli Alley travels to the Europa yeah. League game. Yeah. He comes on as a sub at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Things seem good for Jose Mourinho. In fact, you're hearing stories about him and Daniel Levy getting along famously, which hasn't always been the case with Daniel Levy. So it feels good, and he's the man in charge, and that's what he likes. It's one, it's one of them years, Rebecca, where, and, and listen, Spurs fans, don't take it too literally, but seen some strange results. The big four, the big six are not always going to win every week. Spurs are the sneaky kind of team with Mourinho who could just find themselves sneaking up, up in, the, in, in the table. And also a piece of silverware outside mm-hmm. of the Premier League. I mean, the, the, the point of Mourinho coming in was to get a trophy in that cabinet. They've not had one since the League Cup in 2008 and before that, I think, yeah. the FA Cup, Cup of 91. Yeah. So do you fancy them as a Cup team or do you fancy them today, as Robbie's talking about, as maybe being a sneaky title contender? I think the title's slightly too far away. Sneaky for sure, because yeah. I do think this season's going to be turned on its head. But we're talking about a team who just dispatched Man United 6-1, who have been playing really well. And, oh, by the way, their biggest signing hmm. has yet to step on the field of them in Gareth Bale. Yeah. It's an exciting season for Spurs fans. Absolutely. A, a cup, I think that'll definitely be the target. When he came to Chelsea, the first trophy he won, and, and it was played in February, mm-hmm. then, the, the final of the League Cup, was the League, Club, League Cup. Came in, the special one, won one. Got that dressing room United. Europa League might be important to them this mm. year. Champions League spot, trophy again. They've got through to, through to the group stages in that. There's a, uh, a real attention there. Are they good enough to win the title? No. Mm. But could Jose Mourinho win the title with Spurs? Possibly. Arsenal. Who has come in over the course of the window on the left-hand side of your screen? I should say Thomas Partey is not yet done, by the way. We think that the medical has been passed. The Evening Standard is saying that Thomas Partey's medical has been passed, but we're yet to get official confirmation from the club. Now, Robbie, we spoke a, a day or two ago about... Arsenal's transfer window. And if you look at the player that is probably about to arrive, Mm. Academy product from Atletico Madrid, won the Europa League, two-time Ghanaian Footballer of the Year, no mean feat as well. Mm. What kind of level are we talking about? I know you mentioned it at the top of the show, but just remind our viewers of why Arsenal should be so happy to sign him. Talking about the very top level, Rebecca, we're talking about a guy with pedigree, as you've seen, uh, shows what he's won where he's played. This guy's a game-changer. This is the kind of guy that you build a football club and team around. It's something that Arsene Wenger couldn't find towards the end of his reign. Unai Emery got nowhere near. And Mikel Arteta has is, is understood that a midfield powerhouse presence who can tackle, who can win the ball, who can drive with the ball, who can play in the last third as well, he's got really good feet. He's... And I don't want to go down to Patrick Vieira yet because you'd have loads to do. But he's that kind of midfield player, kind of can go from one end of the pitch to the other and drag his team with him. It's it's a brilliant bit of business if if, if Arsenal get it done. How important is that role in a football team? Well, it's important, and I always say about a football club, they need to be in the image of their manager. And Mikel Arteta is a lovely man. He's sweet. He's a good... He used to be a really great footballer. I'll tell you what, though. 
It was full of steel and determination, and he yeah. put a tackle in on you, and he was mm-hmm. nasty. And that's what this team is starting to look like. And I, and I think about Willian is coming in, and I had questions about him. Is, mm. is it a money move? Just go across London. I don't have to move my family. It seemed easy, and I thought, we're not going to see the best of him. He's been really, yeah. really, really good. And then, you get, and then you get Gabriel at the back, which, as you talked about, at the end of Arsenal's reign, mm. Arsene Wenger's reign, couldn't find that defender who could play football but yeah. could also stick to tackling, and he looks, to, he looks the part. Just one thing, and I just want to take the point on with, with, with uh, what Tim said. Why it's so important you get that central midfield player. If things aren't happening ahead of you, you can get up there, you can work with the players, you can push them on. If things aren't going behind you, so you're the guy who's in contact with both ends of the pitch. If you're a centre-back, sometimes the forwards are too far away. If you're a centre-forward and a captain or, or a driver, force the defence away. That's why I like big central midfield players who can organise a game, who can get people at it, who can influence all areas of the pitch. And this guy is, can do it. In an abundance. It's really obvious that Mikel Arteta is moulding this team in his image. And you just mentioned a little bit about him there being a really sweet guy but can also put in a tackle as a player. But you played with him for many years. Tell us a little bit about his personality. What kind of manager will he be away from the cameras with his players on the training field and in the dressing room? Well, we talk about being a leader and what does that mean? He, he just has a really good way about him as a human being. He, he takes a liking to people. He gets next to you side by side. He meets you where you're supposed to be at. He did that as a player as well. He just is... If he needs to be tough with you, he'll be tough. And if he needs to put an arm around you, he will. And that's when, And I, I say that. You've heard that about all the best managers. And he, I know he's young, but he's learned from the best in Pep Guardiola. And he has, he has the guile that's needed to be the manager at Arsenal Football Club. There's, there's two things I've noticed with him, Rebecca, that, that I really, really like. The first is, after every game, and he's won, he really celebrates. Mm. He, he loves the three points. And I love that, that <laughs> he's worked at it. You've put your training in place, you've picked your teams, you've done your tactics, and, and it's come out. It's like, I like that, he, that he's appreciating that. The other thing that I like that I see, and, and Tim will, will know better than me, is he goes and hugs players, and I see players going to hug him. Mm. Not that he's always going to that. It's like players want to be... He's got something about him. Players want to be in his good books. Players want to be playing for him. He's got... That X, so an X, X factor, factor mm. that, that is difficult to get. And it's not by being big and loud and, and abrasive. It's just a very kind of calm, controlled manner that he's he, drawing his players on and getting this team going in the right direction. This is what's been happening. Manchester United have been busy. Edison Cavani has joined United as a free agent. That's happened in the last 30 minutes. Earlier on today, Alex Tellez from Porto, up to $20 million. The left-back has also come into Manchester United. Everton have brought in Ben Godfrey from Norwich for up to $32 million. He is a centre-half. Theo Walcott has just be made official. He goes back to his old club Southampton on loan and Arsenal's Matteo Genduzzi sent on loan to Hertha Berlin. So he has left Arsenal and in the last 10 or 15 seconds, Leeds have confirmed on a permanent move they have brought in left winger Rafinha. That's Leeds United have also been busy today. Right, let's focus on Everton. Any more deals, of course, anything breaking, I'll bring that to you. Alan, Abdoulaye Decore, Ben Godfrey today, James Rodriguez are the four most notable transfers of this window. Tim Howard. Mm. They finally feel different. We've talked about that over the course of the first few weeks. The strength and depth is what would carry them throughout the season in the top four. Mm. Do they have the strength and depth or is it just a starting 11 for you right now? It's a good starting 11. I think they do have strength and depth. The good thing about about the players that they've brought in now. 
you see the players going out. They're starting to filter out what, what's happened over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Moshiri's come in, new ownership, and I think the idea was, we'll just spend the money and we'll win. Well, mm-hmm. four managers later, yeah. a ton of players later, they finally have the right manager in Carlo, Carlo Angelotti. Marcel Brand, who's the director of football, we talk about Woodward at Man United not getting it done. Marcel Brand is getting it done mm-hmm. at, at Everton. What, what happens now is Carlo is a guy, he just oozes class and patience. And when I met with him in March... Maybe it's the Italian in him that's just classy. <laughs> he doesn't seem phased. He just, he's mm. been there. I can attract the top players. And by the way, when I get the top players in, they're not coming here on holiday. Yeah. I'll get them to perform. I mean, it's easy to say now, but James looks like a world beater, which mm. he, he was, and we, yeah. and we had questions yeah. on whether he would do the business. He's doing the business. Twelfth in the league, 49 points were back. There was a lot of work to do, and I remember sort of doing a season preview and saying... Everton have got to stop enjoying being mediocre. They've got to stop being ambitious again. And he has. He's rooted people out. He's livened this squad squad up, leaned it up. The players who were star players are now back up, but having to play and and take time. And I think this, maybe Everton fans won't like this, I think this is being built in the mould that Klopp going in at Liverpool. Stage by stage, each window, I think there'll be a little bit more in the January. They'll go again in the summer, a little bit more, and eventually they're going to find a way there. Robbie Musto and I have had this debate, and he said, what's the ambition for, for Everton? And I said, top six for me, this. Get to top six, that's a good start. And he's saying, they could be top four. Well, you mentioned Liverpool there. It's going to be so interesting in a couple of weeks' mm. time when we come back from the international break <laughs> yeah. because it is the Merseyside derby, yeah. Tim. You know all about the Merseyside <laughs> derby. As things stand going into this one, how's it looking? After last night, I think there's going to be high hopes. We need to, we need to settle that a little bit. I'm sure I, I know the blue half of Merseyside will be licking their chops. You said something interesting there. As Liverpool built in phases with Klopp, mm. it does seem that way. And here's the difference. We talk about Frank Lampard at Chelsea and, oh, my yeah. God, what's going to happen if things aren't. I talked about Carlo Angelotti. He just seems like he's in the driver's seat. He just seems yeah. like he's under control. Yeah. But the ethos of the club seems that way, too. Mm. Let's get out the riffraff who have been bought in over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Let's start to build. They're not in a position. They, Everton needs to stop accepting mediocrity. You said that. Yeah. I agree with yeah. that. But because they were mid-table-ish... Mm. They now have a little, they'll be given a little bit more patience yeah. to build over the course mm, of the next get there. four. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think of the Merseyside derby? I think they go into it for the first time, and, and every mm. Merseyside derby, having them going and think they win, that they'll feel that they can win this game. They've got the manager, they're informed, they're unbe- unbeaten all season. It, it's, it's about, you know, this Everton team, these are the kind of games that are going to decide. Are Everton going to do a Leicester? Are Everton going to stay in and amongst it? These games will, will dictate to us whether they are or not. They haven't got themselves another keeper. There mm. was talk about them going in for a Gazaniga themselves or even a Sergio Romero for Manchester United. They haven't done that. So they're going to have to go with Pickford and Jonas Lersel for now. Do you think they'll try and get one in January or do you think it'll be the full replacement coming next summer? No, and look, Gazaniga and Romero aren't, aren't good enough to be number ones at Everton. Mm. They're not better than Jordan Pickford. He's had a few blips and a few wobbles, and that happens. Um, he just needs to string together 10 games where yeah. he doesn't make a mistake yeah. and just get back on that form. I believe the club will give him to the end of the season certainly to prove his worth because he is a good goalkeeper. He's just had a few wobbles. It's no, it's no problem as long as you get those out of your game.
and is a huge target because the Euros for England are at the end of the season and he is still, as things stand, England's number one. The transfer window will close in about 23 minutes. So we will, of course, keep you up to date with any breaking news, any last-minute transfers. We'll bring them to you. Don't go anywhere. And we're on air today until 7pm Eastern, but it is now time to talk Leicester City. Wesley Fofana, $38 million in from Saint-Étienne. Interesting defender brought in. Leicester City always so good at plucking from Europe, especially France. Timothy Castagna, we've seen a lot of him this season. He has gone straight into the team. And uh, Under, I'm just going to go with Under. <laughs> Not correct. They also have quite a few names that are quite hard to pronounce as well. So I'm going to go with Under. We've also seen him play too. Um, so how good has their window been, Robbie L? Sneaky good, Rebecca, sneaky good. This Fafana is 19 years of age, is a, is a, is a proper athlete. He, he's going to improve. He'll get better, he'll get stronger, but he, he's got a good leap. He can run, he, 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 he defends his box well. It's a, I think Brendan will have him and, and turn him into another, another little diamond. You think you get rid of Chilwell, you get Castagna, you make $40 million, great business again. They have great recruitment, Leicester City. Yeah. They, they go about their business well. They take their time. They look around Europe and they pluck people. And just think of, you know, Harry Maguire left leave the football club with a world record fee. So, so Unchu comes in and has arguably been better. Mm. Yeah. What is your take on Leicester City? Yeah, the recruitment's been fantastic for years now. Mm. Brendan Rodgers is a top manager. We know that. He's going to be frustrated a little bit, though, that... They've turned into a little bit of a selling club, and I know they've done good business, but yeah. you don't want to sell your top players. You want to bring in other top players. Finishing fifth last season is pretty high up the table. They'll have it all to do again. That being said, do I think Jamie Vardy can carry them and win the Golden Boot? I do. So you want to cast for Schmeichel down the spine of the team, make them very strong. So Timothy Castagna's hit the ground running. He's been absolutely fantastic so far this season. So there is hope there. I just think I think fifth place is is. Was it, an over, was it an overachievement? I think so, yeah. I believe fifth place was an overachievement. This year, can they get back to that? It'd be tough. I don't think Brendan and the team will. And, and the reason I say that, Rebecca, is I think that they've got a group of players and, and some of the, the new additions fall into that as well, who have still got growth. Madison, Ndidi, Harvey Barnes in the England squad now, um, Tielemans, midfield players, as a power. They can still get better. And, and, and if they get... 10 or 15% out of each other more than they're doing, they, they've got a chance. Are they too reliant on Vardy? A little, but why not? I mean, he's, he's 33 going on 21, <laughs> gets quicker every week, knows his way around, around the penalty box. And listen, Tottenham rely on ha Harry Kane, Southampton rely on Danny Ings. Why not rely on, on, on Jamie Vardy? And listen, if he was to go, then Ian Acho's not quite the same and they don't have anybody of that quality. But... Um, you know, it's a nice mix with the Smichels and the Wes Morgans and the Vardys and all those young players as well. They keep them going. They, they motivate each other. You mentioned Brendan Rodgers. Mm. Were they not to make it into fifth or above this season? Let's say they finish sixth, seventh or eighth. Brendan Rodgers' future, do you see it at a top four club? Do you see somebody coming and getting him if he remains a little bit frustrated or if he is a little bit frustrated at Leicester being a selling club mm. and not quite managing to break into that top four? Yeah, but I think I think Brendan is clever. You know, he he'll just sit on just below the boil on a simmer, doing a really good job for this club. Okay, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth, and then he gets frustrated. But he'll wait. He'll wait his time, and then a top four club, maybe need a manager, don't know where to get one from, and he's available. I think it's very possible. You see that in his future? Not not so sure because Why? I can't because I can't find the club. Mm. He's at Liverpool, which means he's probably never not going to get Manchester United. 
Arsenal probably was a shout. They've gone the Arteta route. City? Yeah, what about City? Man City, I think, is just a little bit too big in, mm. in what they want and the profile of manager that they mm. want. I think they'll go into Europe. You don't think, he, you don't think he's won enough? No, not quite. Outside it, of Celtic. Outside of Celtic to, to put him in that level where you go, right, you take this City team and win as the Champions League. OK. Gentlemen, thank you very much for now. Coming up next, we're going to focus on a couple of clubs who are relatively new to the Premier League still. Nuno and Wolves have been a revelation, that's for certain. And last season, so was Sheffield United. But have they done enough in this window as we head towards the window slamming shut? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.